Now, Ask Dr. Love with psychotherapist, author, love and relationship expert, Jamie Turndorf, Ph.D. For expert advice on love and relationships, call into the show at 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. Or you can submit your question online at AskDrLove.com. Now, here's Dr. Love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask Dr. Love Radio. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and it's my pleasure to be with you again today. Today, I'm sharing my 10 ways to keep your sex life sizzling. Are you on the verge of despair over your sagging sex life? Well, if your sex life is more like a wet blanket, stay tuned for my appetite wedding recipe for romance. And then later in the show, I'm going to give you my questions of the week. And the three that I've selected for today, the first one's called No Sex Drive. Here I help out a woman whose boyfriend took eight months to put the moves on her. And now that they're living together, the only time they have sex is when she jumps his bones. So stay tuned as I help her figure out how to overcome his sexual slump. And in Wondering What's Normal, I help out a woman who just broke up with her boyfriend whose sex drive devoured her own tiny appetite. And she asks me to help her know whether her drive is abnormal. So stay tuned to hear where's the beef when it comes to the human cattle sex drive. And the third question is, am I urinating when I orgasm? And here I talk with a woman who thinks she's peeing when she climaxes. So stick around as I give her the lowdown on female ejaculation. And then, of course, no show show will be complete without reading between the sheets where I tackle those tough sex problems. And this week I'm going to do a question that's called Your Boyfriend Has No Sex Drive. And I'm working with a woman whose boyfriend was arrested for sexual assault and who now seems to have no sex drive. So stay tuned as I decipher what could be causing him to tie his testicles in a knot. Now on to today's show. So I'm going to help you become a sexpert in your own bedroom. So let's roll up our sleeves and pull down the bed sheets. But before we talk about how to resurrect your sexual response, I want to take a few minutes to talk about what may be getting your sex life down. Because obviously we can't fix a flagging sex life if the flagpole is broken. I mean, if your flag is flying at half-mast because of physical, emotional, or even relational problems, not even the best sex techniques are going to be in, are going to enable you to raise that flag. So let me give you an analogy of what I'm talking about. You know, millions of people take buckets of nutritional supplements every day and they don't work. And this is usually because if you have a toxic bowel or a clogged up liver or kidneys, then you're throwing nutrients into a garbage heap. And the same is true for your sex life. If you have underlying emotional, physical or relational issues going on, you're never going to be able to clean up your sex act. So let's talk about some of the non-sexual things that may be getting your sex life down. Let me start with what can be happening on the physical front to put your sex on the back burner. Well, we know illnesses such as diabetes, hormone imbalances, including low testosterone or estrogen dominance, which I talked about on a recent show, prostate enlargement, low thyroid, clogged arteries, medications even like antidepressants, those statins which lower cholesterol, blood pressure drugs, all of this zaps your sex drive. Now, beyond medical conditions, 
there are other physical things that can be going on. And simple stress is just a big ass passion deflator. Because let's face it, I mean, everybody in this day and age is stressed out. And stress and spreading yourself too thin will wreck your sex life. Stress chemicals are incompatible with sexual arousal. And the stress chemicals that are produced by your adrenal glands literally turn off your sex drive. And the more tired your adrenals get, the less able they are to handle stress. And so now you're in a major vicious cycle, more stressed, more uh, shut down, more stress. So if this is your case, you can do some things to take the heat off your adrenals, like yoga. There's a really... A little known yoga posture called legs up the wall where you actually put some kind of a pillow under your butt, tie your knees with a belt, and you literally put your butt up against the wall, your legs up on the wall, and you just stay that way with your eyes closed and breathing. This is very restorative to the adrenals. Meditate, wonderful for the adrenals. Exercise also helps, but do not make the mistake that many people do of doing over-exercising because that actually hammers the adrenals and exhausts them more. Deep breathing, incredibly restorative for the adrenals. But um, this is a good one. You breathe in for four, rest for two, and then out for 20 or 30. And here's another one that most people don't think about. I say watch your thoughts because you can actually be your very own boogeyman scripting your scary movie in your own head by futurizing and worrying. By futurizing, I'm referring to the way people will project themselves from the present moment into the future. And I say futurizing is synonymous with fear because those what-if scenarios we create are always horrifying. So if you feel yourself futurizing, believe me, you're pounding your adrenals. Pull yourself back into the now hard enough dealing with the now so now also you have to think about how your diet will be stressing your adrenals and then when they are stressed they are less able or available to handle stress so the real adrenal killers are white sugar white flour white rice potatoes no caffeine well white potatoes they say really hard on the blood sugar because if you have blood sugar attacks then that hammers the adrenals too. But sweet potatoes apparently are okay. Caffeine is a killer for the adrenals. Stay away from it. Then you also can give yourself nutrients, which help restore and protect your adrenals. Have you heard about liposomalized vitamin C? This is a a special form of vitamin C that is extremely superior in its absorbability. And a tiny dose of 100 milligrams in a liposomal form is way more effective than the vitamin Cs that most people take in capsule or tablet form. You also might try adaptogenic herbs, such as licorice, but don't take licorice if you have high blood blood pressure because it tends to raise it. Ashwagandha, ginseng, maca, and even pro-hormones such as DHEA and pregnenolone, all these things really help restore the adrenals. And I've recently um, become familiar with something from a brand called Integrative Therapeutics, which is called Cortisol Manager, which after one dose in clinical trials has been shown to regulate cortisol levels. And cortisol is produced by an adrenals, uh, adrenal glands that are very tired. They overproduce cortisol, and Cortisol Manager corrects that. Okay, what else could be getting you down? A strict religious upbringing, fear of pregnancy, 
negative messages about sex that are just rolling around in your head instead of rolling around in the sack, a bad sexual experience, even dyspareunia, which is the Greek uh, for painful intercourse. And painful intercourse can be caused from various physical and even emotional issues. And I, I promise I'll do a show on this topic in the near future. Now, last but not least, how can Dr. Not, Love not include a relationship status in this discussion? So if you guys have read my book, Makeup Don't Break Up, you know I talk about relationship essential nutrients and how these nu- nutrients must be in your relationship's daily diet if you want your relationship and your sex life to thrive. Because if your relationship is getting you down, you ain't going to be getting down. Now, I talk about the fact that Men's essential nutrients are different from women's. Men, men's essential nutrients can be boiled down to what I call the two A's, admiration and appreciation. Now think about it. Men are raised to make things happen, to act and produce. So when a man loves a woman, he's wired to move heaven and earth to make her happy. Now, in turn, a man needs to feel that his woman values what he does for her. So, in short, guys need to be admired and appreciated for their strength, their power, their achievements, as well as their efforts to protect and provide for their women and their offspring. These are the two A's, admiration and appreciation. Now, did you know most relationships go sour for men because women nag and complain about what their man is not doing right? And to have a happy relationship or marriage, the savvy woman knows that she has to directly tell her guy what she wants and what pleases her rather than complain after the fact over what she didn't get. Because when a woman falls into that fight trap, I call it the three Scrooges fight trap, nagging, whining and complaining. In no time, her guy feels or if she's a lesbian, her female partner feels useless, which causes the partner to give up. Stop trying to please her in and out of the bedroom and go looking for a partner who does value him. And by the way, research shows that when men are asked why they cheated, it's rarely because they were feeling starved for sex. And just so you know, since couples do tend to shower each other with praise during the honeymoon phase, it's easy for a man to get seduced by the rewards of another partner who makes him feel unconditionally admired and appreciated. And when a man gets... Adequate admiration and appreciation from his partner, he doesn't need to go looking elsewhere for it. Okay, now what are the relationship essential nutrients for women? What do women need to be happy in relationships? Well, I said a couple minutes ago, men are wired to be protectors and providers. Well, a woman is biologically programmed to find a guy who's going to provide and protect her and her offspring. So it's really that simple for a woman. And don't be fooled. Even if a woman earns a good living and she doesn't need a man to take care of her financially, her biological programming doesn't know this. And in fact, according to research, even wealthy women choose life partners who are even more financially successful than they are because women are biologically programmed to need to feel safe, protected and secure. And this need is fueled by that primitive, biologically based survival of the species imperative to choose men who are never going to abandon them and their offspring. And the need to be sure that a man will never abandon her and her offspring explains why women require frequent reassurances in words and actions of her man's devotion. And I call this emotional providing. 
A woman needs to feel that she is first in her man's world, that he listens to her, takes her feelings to heart, and he shows her in words and deeds that he values her above all others. This, all combined, provides her a deep feeling of security that he'll never leave. So, you know, I go into full detail on the relationship essential nutrients in my book, Make Up, Don't Break Up. So I encourage you to read this book if you want to ensure that you fertilize your relationship and create the right sexual soil. So the bottom line for women is when their emotional needs aren't being met, they don't get wet. And for men, when their emotional needs aren't being met, they're going to look for someone else to pet. And so men obviously don't have endless supplies of sperm and their wells are going to run drier, drier at home if their emotional needs are being met aren't if if there's if their me their need for admiration and appreciation isn't being met and they're going out elsewhere to get their needs met and their sexual needs met they're going to run dry at home now obviously last but not least we're talking about what goes on in a relationship that will get your sex life down if you're not handling your anger properly unresolved anger is the number one passion deflator so if that's your issue check out till death do us part and it'll show you step by step how to handle your anger right. So your relationship is cooking on the front burner and then sex is definitely going to be good. So let's assume that you've handled or you're handling the physical, the emotional and the relational causes of your sexual slump. Now, now we can get down to my down and dirty recipe for a sizzling sex life. Now I have 10 ingredients in this mix, in this mix. The first one I call Love is blind. Now, here's a case where you want to put those blinders on because sexual pleasure has many dimensions, but the most important sexual organ we have is between our ears, meaning our brain. And when one sense is hindered, our other senses via the brain clamor to compensate. For example, you know, a deaf person has increased sensory awareness, sight, smell, touch, and vibrations. Well, you don't have to be deaf or blind to tap into this innate ability of ours and use it to your sexual advantage. By blindfolding your partner, you actually increase his or her sensory awareness. And he or she doesn't know where you are or what you're going to do next. And this creates anticipation for better sex. It's the tease, you know. So tease your partner mercilessly with sensory objects such as a feather or your tongue and start off softly as this excites the nerve endings and makes them far more sensitive. But be careful not to overstimulate the nerve endings because after a while the neurons stop firing with such intensity and the sensation becomes null and void. You can actually go numb. Now here's my second ingredient for a sizzling sex life. Give your partner a sex ed class. And what do I mean by this? After a while, you may think you know how to please your partner in every way. But this is very rarely true because there's always something you haven't tried, some sexual stone that you've left unturned. And there's bound to be something one of you always does that could be done differently. So to combat this for better sex, have a lesson session in which you don't think you know it all and are at each other's mercy as teacher. Talk about things you haven't tried, but you'd like to, and then choose one suggestion from each of your partner, each of you, 
and do your homework right then and there. We often get caught thinking we know what our partner's like, and after a while it becomes the way it's done. So lose this myth and put yourself in the student's chair for a while for better sex. You won't regret, believe me. Now, here's my third ingredient. Get touchy. And I mean by this, give each other a massage. Sensual touch is one of the most highly relaxing and sexy things you can do for your partner, which is why it makes, um, why this is making it onto my top 10 list for better sex. Now, our bodies are almost without exception tense in some area. And when this happens, it hinders the energy flow, including the sexual energy flow. So imagine a car that has a clogged fuel fin- filter. The fuel, our energy, can't get to where it needs to go quickly and smoothly, and the car performs inefficiently. So a massage is like a body overhaul, creating much better sex overall. So let the relaxing, sensual massage unlock each other's bodies. Create some very intense orgasms and much better sex this way. And the ability to relax your partner should be high on your list of skills. But the difference between a deeply relaxing massage and a sensual massage is the ma- is in the manner of touch. You don't want to relax your partner too deeply because you're going to put him or her into a dead sleep. And raising the dead is what we're after here, not the other way around. So the key to better sex in this case is to keep the senses alert, but the body relaxed. This means a firm touch coupled with some sensory feather-like caresses. And once you've relaxed the major muscles, the shoulders and the back, work your way down to the buttocks. And then strokes can then start to wander near, but not on the genitals, inner arms, armpits, inside of the legs and thighs, the earlobes. And don't forget the hands and feet, because there are thousands of nerve endings in your hands and feet that are very sensitive to touch. And if you have no idea what a good massage feels like or how to perform one, spend some time in lesson time with your partner and learn what you both like or just run your hands over each other's bodies all over. But remember, don't rush to put your hands on those hot spots because otherwise you're going to ruin the effect. All right, let me take a brief break. And when I come back, I'll give you... Ingredient number four for a sizzling sex life. Be right back on Ask Dr. Love Radio. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. To speak to Dr. Turndorf live on the air, call 888-463-6748. AskDrLove.com is the web's premier relationship advice site since 1996. Visit AskDrLove.com to search thousands of free relationship advice articles on any relationship issue you may have. Or you can submit a question to her free advice column. However, if you're listening live, why not call in? Don't be shy. Dr. Turndorf wants to help you, and this is a unique chance to get a personal answer from one of today's most respected experts. So if you have a question for her, please call in now at 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Now back to Ask Dr. Love with Jamie Turndorf, Ph.D. Once again, here's Dr. Love. Today I have a really hot topic for you. My 10 ingredients for a sizzling sex life. And now we're up to ingredient number four, which I call dress for success. 
Sometimes pretending to be something you're not comes easily to some people, and it has benefits when done for fun. And stepping out of the role of being yourself can be a fun way to give each other permission to behave differently for better sex. So playing the role of someone else during sexual play is a very enjoyable way to give your partner some really different sensations and try things that you haven't done before. And role-playing is a great way to have better sex and have fun with your partner in a lighthearted but sexy way. And it's often the woman who does the dressing up because, well, women like to dress up and we do tend to have resources in clothes, underwear and makeup. But don't forget that guys can play, too. So that's uh, dressing for success. Now, here's ingredient number five. Tell your fantasies to each other. Talking about your fantasies with your partner is a very conducive form of sex play because, first of all, it increases communication with your partner, which is of great importance. And it also helps you get to know each other better for better sex. So you may be surprised by what comes out of each other's mouths, but this works both ways. Keep it light at first and don't throw your partner into the deep end with fantasies about people you both know or reveal fetishes you aren't sure about. Oh, God, that reminds me, you know, after my husband died, oh, dear me, I went on the Internet for a brief while, and oh, my goodness, that the guys that came my way must have recognized me from TV or radio, and I got some of the wildest, freakiest guys. And one guy says to me on the first phone call that he has a particular interest that he hasn't explored because he's been married for decades. So I say to the guy, uh, what is it? And he says, golden showers. You know, that's the fetish where you pee on someone. So he, I said, are you still into this? And he says, well, yeah, I am. I'm just looking for a willing recipient. And I said to him, I think you mean a willing receptacle. Well, he didn't laugh, but I was laughing my butt off. And then I said, you're actually looking for a pee on, and that's not me. So beware of expo- exposing your fetishes. Do not blow somebody out of the water. Sit back with a glass of wine and keep your clothes on for now. Fantasy play just is incorporated into the game for better sex. Use your imagination, keep it sexy, and take it in turns and see where it leads you. Okay, here's ingredient number six. Play a game. Get a pack of cards, play strip poker for better sex. It may seem like something you would have done when you were in high school, given the opportunity, but adult strip poker is a really good way to get naked. Once you both are naked or nearly naked, you can start on the really fun part because the fun part is the loser gets to choose what action is performed. No, it's not the loser. You, the winner, get to choose what action the loser gets to perform on you. And time limits like one minute on each action means that it's a prolonged game of seduction. So by the end, you both are going to be clamoring to be both winner and loser. And there are many other games you can play strip to because you just need to have a regular winner and loser to reward and punish respectively. And the great part about these games is that you can both ask the other person to do something in a certain way that you may not have necessarily done before, and it can get rather wild and definitely lead to better sex in the end. Now, here's my ingredient seven, talk dirty. Well, you know, people say talk dirty, but I don't even like the expression because there's nothing dirty about sex. So But you know what I mean. Talking dirty has turned people on for millennia, and it's going to continue to do so because it has something other sex play doesn't, which is words. And because our brains are our largest sexual apparatus, we respond to the spoken word 
automatically, especially when someone says our name. So the spoken word evokes emotions, sensations, and blood flow to various regions depending on the topic. And this works very much in your favor when it comes to talking dirty to your lover because women are especially susceptible to what goes in their ears. And I'm not talking about cotton buds or ear candles, okay? Talking dirty is an art form, and when done badly, it can result in fits of giggles. So let's face it, that's not so bad, but that's not the goal here. So don't let this deter you. Practice, and you're going to get better. Start off easy with neutral topics, such as how it feels to be inside him or her, and how much you're enjoying the act and what you'd like to do next. Don't get too carried away. Just let it flow out of you, because this kind of talk can be a bit daunting at first if you're not used to verbalizing these things, so you got to practice, and you'll see how your partner responds. And dirty talk also comes under the encouragement category, because when your partner sees that you like something very much, your partner's going to be more interested in doing it more. Now, the rawness of the sexual passion aroused with dirty talk is why it's so effective, but be careful not to swear too much though a good dose of foul language can be part and parcel of dirty talk. It's not called dirty talk for nothing. So, But too much swear, swearing or name-calling can be a turnoff. And try to stick to positive words and leave the commonly used insult words out. So watch what you call each, other, each other's body parts and make sure that you both can handle it before you launch into a tirade of filth because chances are the passion from you is going to ignite your partner twofold. All right, here is ingredient eight. Try a new position. So you already know how to bring your partner to orgasm in two ways at least, probably. And you probably repeat those regularly because they work. And there's no harm in that, but it's going to get pretty stale pretty fast if you never, ever try any new positions again. How are you ever going to know? You might be able to turn each other on even more. So new positions need a reasonably high level of arousal in your lover. So choose your time to strike a new pose when everybody's obviously feeling very randy. And there's no limit to the number of ways to have sex, so you can use your imagination and come up with as many weird and wonderful inventions inventions as you desire. And just changing locations can dramatically change the position. So consider this, too, like the top of the washing machine. Well, that's very clean, right? On a bench, beanbag, or table. Now, here's my ninth ingredient for sizzling sex. Give her a ring. But this is not the kind of ring we're talking about. I'm not talking about a wedding ring or a ring on the telly. I'm talking about a cock ring. It slows the drainage of blood out of your erection and keeps a man harder for longer. And a very hard penis stimulates a woman internally in a different way and in a better way than when the penis is soft around the edges. So cock rings are inexpensive. They're usually nice to look at. And they make interesting male sex toys. So you can add this to your collection. And cock rings ensure that a man can maintain his pace without faltering for better sex. And this will be very pleasing to your partner. Now, 10, my last ingredient is take your show on the road. Sex in a new locale is definitely up there in exciting things to do for better sex. So you can take a drive somewhere secluded where you can get a bit bit risque. Try a public place, not too public. You know, that reminds me of, oh, my gosh, I got a question at the website when a woman writes to me, why do we call our private parts private when it's also called the public area <laughs> instead of the pubic area? She thought it was the public area. So, um 
the point is, don't get too public or pubic in public. You know what I mean. Just move to a different room or an area in your home or even somebody else's home. Whatever tickles your fancy. There are a million and one different places to have sex other than your home, in your bed. Use them. And believe me, the time and energy required to plan your adventures is going to pay off immediately and over the long term. So stop beating around the bush, if you'll pardon my pun. Use my recipe for a sizzling sizzling sex life, and you're going to be a hot tamale tomorrow and for many, many tomorrows to come. All right. Let me give you some tweets on this topic. Whisper sweet nothings in her ear, and she'll be wanting you near. If your relationship is failing fast, her sexual flag's going to fly at half-mast. If your relationship is a drag, you can forget about ever raising the flag. If you want your sex life to be sizzling, your relationship can't be only fair to middling. Give him frequent pats on the back, and he'll be giving more giving in the sack. Up the foreplay, and she'll be more down for play. To whet her appetite for romance, try keeping it in your pants. Before your butt is bearing, try giving your heart an airing. That's a tongue twister. Give her more emotional food and watch how she's suddenly in the mood. When her emotional needs aren't being met, she ain't going to get wet. When his emotional needs aren't being met, he'll look for someone else to pet. And if you want her toes to curl, try giving romance a whirl. Be more inventive with your foreplay, and you will have a better role in the hay. If your sex life ha- if your sex life has become a desert, try making her into dessert. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take a little, little break, and I'll be back with you in a moment on Ask Dr. Love Radio. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. To speak to Dr. Turndorf live on the air, call 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. If you like what you're hearing, you can learn about Dr. Turndorf's techniques for turning conflict into connection and healing in her critically acclaimed, groundbreaking book, Till Death Do Us Part, Unless I Kill You First, a step-by-step guide for resolving relationship conflict. Find out more about this book and read a free excerpt by visiting AskDrLove.com. This is Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. And if you have a question for her, please call in now at 888-463-6748. This show is for you, the listeners, so please give her a call now. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Jamie Turndorf, Ph.D. Once again, here's Dr. Love. Before I go to the questions of the week, I want to take a call from a caller who's on the line now. Her name is Carol. Hello, Carol. Hi, Dr. Jamie. I'm uh, calling. I'm a little bit embarrassed to uh, uh, talk about this, but uh, I'm a single mother, and I haven't been with a man in quite some time, but I'm thinking of dating because my last two children are in college now, and uh, they're two years in, so they're, you know, they're on their way out. 
And a friend of mine is really involved with um, this gentleman, and we're talking about it all the time. And I don't like anybody, but I woke up the other night, and I wear like these little boxer shorts, and I woke up, and they were wet. They weren't wet like if you like had an accident in the middle of the night, which I didn't, you know, I don't have, but they were wet. And I'm thinking, did, did I like, because I'm thinking about men again, I don't know, did I... Um, like have sex in, my, in the middle of the night. I, I'm so embarrassed to even bring this up, but I don't know what happened to me. Glad you're asking me the question. So listen, when you say you were wet, you don't mean you were just lubricated a little wet. You mean oh, wet, like like there's like a river, a river under you, that kind of wet. Yeah, but like like the bed wasn't wet. I, I actually fell asleep on the couch, which really this is like what was really freaking me out. Could you imagine if I? I don't think I would just pee in the middle of the night. And I'm just, again, this is embarrassing to talk about, but but the shorts were wet, and when I got up, I had to take them off immediately. So they were they weren't soaked, but they were wet. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm thinking um, you may be one of the lucky women who experiences what what's called female ejaculation. Would you remember when you were sexually active, did you have the ejaculation where at the point of orgasm, fluid would shoot out of the vagina? Did you have that? Yes, I did. You go, girl. <laughs> that is so great. You can't believe how it's not. Not every woman has a female ejaculation. And believe me, when women don't understand what it is, they're mortified, they're embarrassed, they think they're peeing when they're having an orgasm, and it's not pee at all. It's just not. It's a female ejaculation. And uh, this is just the way your body responds to sexual arousal. So you must have been having the female version of a wet dream. You were having a sexy dream. You were turned on. Your friend talking about this guy she likes and you were all turned on and you actually had an orgasm in your sleeve and a female ejaculation but this is awesome it means your body is waking up thank god <laughs> oh god but at least i am waking up maybe it's time finally you know you're all, you're talking about the fact that you are starting to feel more ready you know you are feeling more ready your your friend is having a, a boyfriend and your kids are going to be going off to school so you're just priming the pump you're getting ready to hump <laughs> oh my god thank you so much i totally forgot it's it's been over 10 years since i've been on a date let alone with a man and i just kind of forgot what it was like and I really thought there was a problem like I was having a bladder problem but you're <laughs> right I did I used to have when I had sex that's how I had an orgasm great so welcome back to the party oh my god <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for calling all right so now I want to hit hit you with another question that came in this one's called no sex drive <laughs> Dear Dr. Love, I've been with my boyfriend for five years. He's 31 and I'm 25. And when we first met, it took him eight months to have sex with me. And then after that, we did it maybe five times a month, if that. And now all these years later, and it's one to three times a month, I feel that he's never really had a sex drive. But now I just feel like he's no longer attracted to me. And when we do have sex, it's me asking for it. And it's always him on top. And it lasts only a few minutes. And I know a lot of it has to do with the way I feel about myself, but I don't understand. Am I thinking too much into this? Is it normal for a 31-year-old man to not want to have sex? 
I'm just not sure how I'm supposed to feel about this. I know he still loves me and wants to be with me, but I think he might just be bored with our regular bedroom things. And maybe because I never want to be on top. I just don't know. Please help. Okay, listen. Your short little question to me is a very deep question and it's very involved. So let me break down the answer into parts. First of all, you are inserting your ego where it doesn't belong by taking his low sex drive personally and as a sign that he's suddenly not attracted to you and you're getting unnecessarily wounded as a result. And that needs to stop right now. Women are really notorious for this, putting their egos in and then getting wounded and hammering their self-esteem into the ground. So when you take your ego out of this equation and you stop coming from this wounded place, you're going to be able to see the situation much more clearly and then you're going to be able to respond much more effectively. So let's look at the facts. You said that it took him eight months to have sex with you initially, and that even in the beginning, he was hardly hot to trot. So you only had sex about once a week, which wasn't much for a new relationship. So I'm thinking the reason you're suddenly worried about your sex life is because the sex has become even more infrequent. But I want you to keep in mind, it's common for long-term partners to be more sexually active in the early phases of their relationship and for the frequency to die down over time. So in your case, since you started at such a low point, the dying down takes you below what is a tolerable threshold for you. In other words, the slowing down is normal for all couples, but in your case, it's very noticeable because sex is so infrequent. Okay, now to reassure you, the fact that he can get aroused with you means that he is attracted to you. So that's not the issue. So what is calling his drive to not be on overdrive? So There are several things that can cause a guy to have a low sex drive. Fear of intimacy and closeness can actually cause a man to avoid sex because sex for these men can feel like just too much closeness and avoiding sex helps them keep themselves at a safer distance. And so the fact that he ejaculates quickly can actually be a symptom of a fear of intimacy because men with this problem will make sex an eat and run or an in and out operation so that they aren't close for very long. Now, another possible cause of this problem is having been sexually abused or molested. Low testosterone can also have a lower sex, can cause a lower sex drive in men and women. And I've had patients who were young and had this problem. And when testosterone levels are corrected, their drive and their you know what's go up. And remember, I talked about this recently. Estrogen dominance is becoming epidemic because of the xenoestrogens in the environment. So even young guys are having low testosterone because their estrogen levels are too high in relation to their testosterone. Now, another possible explanation is the fact that he's embarrassed over his sexual dysfunction, specifically that he's not lasting long, because I heard you say he doesn't last long. So he could be ashamed over his premature ejaculation and simply be avoiding sex because he feels inadequate and ashamed by his performance. Now, you said that you know he loves you, so relax. We just have to get over this small hump, or more accurately, the infrequent hump. And by the way, I'm thinking that this issue has exposed a fault line in your own self-esteem, and we need to give your self-esteem a plumping up. And, you know, in my book, Make Up, Don't Break Up, I have a whole chapter on what you can do to raise what I call your personal net worth. And it would really be good for you to do this self-work so that you don't go over the deep end each time he doesn't hold up his end. So as for how to deal with him, when your self-esteem is stronger and you're not personalizing what happens, 
then talk with him. And in speaking with him, I want you to use very cool, neutral language so you don't bruise his ego and get his back up, which is only going to get his you-know-what even more down. So ask him if he's noticed that your sex life has fallen off. And since you had a niggling fear that he's not happy with the sexual position you use, ask him about whether um, he is not satisfied with you because you're not assuming the female superior or woman on top position. And I, I once called this the national monument position because a lot of women feel like they're exposed like a national monument. But ask him. And then if the talk is going well, talk about whether he's happy, happy with the frequency. And if he says he is, you can ask him if he'd be more open to discussing possible reasons why he doesn't want more. Because notice I'm using very non-threatening, neutral wording. You start by exploring the least threatening option, the low testosterone, and then a medical issue is farther from his ego. And then I'd ask if he ever wanted more when he was younger. And if he says that his drive was stronger when he was younger, then tell him that our world is so polluted now that we're being exposed to these xenoestrogens. And they are the result of the chemicals in the air, the food and the water, and they mimic estrogens in the body. And the result is that even young men experience hormonal disturbances and lower sex drive. And then ask him if he'd be open to looking into his testosterone levels. And if his levels aren't normal, we've solved the issue. Adding some bioidentical hormone cream and even a detoxification diet to your lifestyle will help this problem. Because as you detoxify, you clear out the xenoestrogens, okay? And eating more cabbage products and cruciferous vegetables will also help clear out the xenoestrogens. Now, if the testosterone proves to be a dead end, then you can begin to explore the other possible causes of his own sexual dead end. All right. Keep me posted. I want to hear how you're doing. Let me just take another brief little break, and I'll be back with you in a second on Ask Dr. Love Radio. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. To speak to Dr. Turndorf live on the air, call 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. If you've recently been through a breakup and are looking for a second chance, wondering how you can reconcile with your ex, or if it's even possible after all you've been through, Dr. Turndorf's latest book, Make Up, Don't Break Up, presents her five-step plan for reconciling with your ex. This plan was developed out of years of research, working with thousands of couples at her Center for Emotional Communication. This is a proven no-hype and no-nonsense method that gets right to the root of the problem to guide you to the right path towards reigniting a lasting relationship. For more about Make Up, Don't Break Up, visit AskDrLove.com. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Jamie Turndorf, Ph.D. Once again, here's Dr. Love. Today is a really sexy show. I'm talking about how to improve your sex life. I've talked about my 10 recipes for a, 10 ingredients for a sizzling sex life and you can listen to it if you're tuning in late. It'll be archived on my website and on Talk Zone probably later today. So listen, I had a question come in. It's called Am I Urinating When I Orgasm? And I hope Carol, my caller, hears this because I want to go into a little more detail about this question. The question is literally just one sentence. Can you please tell me why 
when I orgasm, I urinate. So listen, I'm going to say to you what I said to Carol, who called in a few minutes ago. You aren't urinating. You're among the 35 to 50 percent of women who ejaculate when they orgasm. And it's believed that the fluid comes from the paraurethral ducts that surround the urethra and the vagina. Now, you know, debate continues on this subject because some scientists argue that women are mistaking vaginal lubrication or stress urinary incontinence. That's a fancy term for peeing a little when you sneeze for an actual ejaculation. Now, to prove that the ejaculation isn't composed of urine, one researcher named Belzer used a chemical like methylene blue so that any urinary component could be detected. And in one woman he studied, the dye was found in her urine, but not her orgasmic expulsion, suggesting that the fluid expelled at ejaculation is not urine. So in the end, we don't want to turn your bedroom into a laboratory. Sex shouldn't be a sex experiment. Just enjoy your body and its pleasurable reactions because you are fine. Okay. Now, here's another question that came in, and it's called Wondering What's Normal. Dear Dr. Love, is there such a thing as a normal sex drive? My boyfriend can't go more than a couple of days without getting really bothered if we don't have sex. But I don't really want it that often, particularly if I'm very busy and have a lot going on. I still want to cuddle and spend time with him. But if we go several days or even a week or two when I'm really tired or busy, it doesn't bother me. He had a bad childhood and seems to have a real need for the physical connection. I, on the other hand, have a real need to know that sex is not the most important thing between us. I also have certain doubts about our relationship because he is not nearly as educated as I am, which sometimes leave me, leaves me feeling unfulfilled intellectually. And he's highly emotional, with some, which sometimes make, makes me feel like I'm cold or unwomanly in comparison. I love so many things about him. But I wish you were a little stronger emotionally and not so needy. In any case, we broke up yesterday because we just couldn't make it. Uh, We just couldn't make the physical side work for both of us. But my question is, do I have some kind of abnormally low sex drive? Or is it simply that we were incompatible on that level and I shouldn't be worried? My best friend said she and her fiancé also sometimes go a week or two without sex when they have a lot going on and it's no big deal. For me and my ex, going more than a few days leads to problems. What's a normal level of sexual desire? And she signs this. Wondering what's normal. Okay, listen, when it comes to sex drive, there is no such thing as normal. Sexual frequency varies according to a lot of factors, such as the partner's ages, novelty, meaning how new the relationship is, physical and emotional health, stress, and so on. In other words, there are so many factors that affect sex drive. Now, you asked me whether your lower sex drive is normal. And I'd say that if you feel that your sex drive is too low, if it interferes with your relationships, then it's too low. And you mentioned that you lose your drive when you are busy. And that reason is, like I said before in the show, sexual stress, the stress chemicals block the chemicals that are needed for sexual arousal. So to figure out if stress is blocking your sex drive, see if it increases when you are relaxed or on a vacation. If it gets better when you're relaxed and then diminishes when your stress returns, you know that stress is the culprit. 
And you would probably do well then to learn to meditate, practice yoga, or do relaxation exercises. And physical exercise also helps to flush the stress chemicals from the body, and that can often improve the sex drive. Now, as for your boyfriend, it's not at all abnormal for a man to want sex every couple of days. In fact, most most healthy young men find it impossible to go more than a couple of days without an ejaculation. So his level of drive is not abnormal. The problem here isn't the level of desire. It's, emo- it's his emotional reaction to infrequent sex. It seems for your ex, sex symbolized love. And when you don't want to have sex with him, he translates your disinterest to you don't love him or love him enough. And this reaction occurs because lack of sex triggers an unconscious association to his unresolved childhood wound because you said he felt unloved as a kid. So here's the deal. His need for sex a few times a week is normal. His emotional reaction to the lack of sex is what is not healthy. So those feelings need to be understood and addressed. And had this been done, you probably could have saved the relationship. Now, unfortunately, you both broke up before talking with me first, because had we spoken, we would have understood the true source of his feelings, which would have had far-reaching benefits because his reaction would have probably softened. You would have been able to reassure him that he is loved even when you don't want sex, which would have further eased his pain. And understanding why he feels the way he does would have helped you to not blame yourself or feel guilty or angry. And I'm thinking that it's not too late for you both to resume the relationship with this renewed understanding. And that's not going to change his level of education, but... Many people, uh, you know, if they feel that they understand each other and they're, they really connect, they get along even if their education isn't the same. But this disparity may be enough combined with your different sex drive. You may decide that you don't want to pursue it. But if you do, I've told you how to go forward. All right, let me know what happens. Let me know what you decide. Let me just also lay my reading between the sheets question on you because this one's kind of intense. It's called Your Boyfriend Has No Sex Drive. Notice in, in today's show, we've talked about a lot about differing levels of desire. She has none. He has a lot. He has none. She has a lot. Yeah, Ideally, you want to be as well matched as possible in your levels of desire. Remember, I've talked about homogamy or similarity, really helping a couple be compatible sexually and relationally. So try to find a partner whose drive matches yours. and You're going to have less, less friction. I mean, more sexual friction, less emotional friction. So. Here's the question. I have rather a complex problem and want very much to work through it, if not understand it. And I'm very much in love with the man whom I'm living with. And he says he is with me. The only thing missing from our sex life is the only thing missing from our life is sex. And I mean that literally. He has absolutely no interest in sex. Several years ago, he spent five years on probation for a sexual assault and he never discussed it with me and I don't broach the subject. In that five years, he spent two days a week going to a psychiatrist and I'm not sure if that is part of the problem. When he does get aroused, he never gets a full erection and he does admit that it is mental, but that he will not see anyone again. He's a good man. He tries watching adult TV and so forth to no avail. He's happy living his life with no sex. But I sort of like it, to tell you the truth. And there seems to be something that I can do or 
at least understand because I like sex and I want to fix this. I guess I'm asking what I can do to regain his interest in sex. If you can shed some light on this for me, I'd greatly appreciate it because he won't talk to me much about it. And I'm pulling my hair out trying to understand and cope. So thank you. Okay. I can help you understand what may be going on with your boyfriend, but I think you need to be asking yourself why you want to be with a man who's so disinterested in sex. Because you also need to ask yourself if you're willing to live without sex for the rest of your life, because there's a good chance that this is what's going to happen, since he doesn't seem to be chomping at the bit to get help for his problem. So my point is, you're focusing on what you can do to fix or change the situation with him when he isn't asking for help for his sexual dysfunction. Instead of focusing on him, first focus on you. So first understand why you want a man who doesn't want you. And understand how this sexual deprivation recreates your own childhood wounds. You know, I talk all about this until death do us part, how we repeat the old scars of childhood trying to heal them. So you want to figure out what your wound is, because I have a sense that somebody didn't meet your needs or love you enough when you were young. And this could explain why you chose a man who can't give you good loving in the sexual arena. So if you've been reading my columns for a while or tuning into the show, you know people recreate what's familiar. And if you were deprived of love as a kid, your mind is going to just choose a lover who deprives you. And the unconscious fantasy being that you're, if you can get your lover to give you what you want, then you're going to feel as though you received what you lacked in childhood, and it'll feel like your old scar from childhood is healed. So... As you can see from your question to me, this is exactly what you're engaged in. You're trying to fix your boyfriend and make him fork over the foreplay and other sexual goodies. Before you embark on trying to help him, understand yourself and why you're attracted to him. And if you still want to take on the task of helping him, then you need to engage him in the process. He needs to open up and tell you everything. And he needs to commit on working at resolving the issue with your help. And with the help of a professional. And I know he says he won't go, so he would have to talk to you. If he refuses to engage in the process, then what you see is what you get. In which case, you're going to need to make a hard choice, pardon the pun, and accept that uh, life with him is going to be without sex. And if you can't accept this, then you need to move on. Now, if he agrees to work on the issue, then he needs to first understand that his therapy has been ineffective in resolving his issue. I don't know what type of sexual deviance he was arrested for, but I'm going to assume he was he molested someone who was underage. And I'm thinking that the treatment he received may have consisted of teaching him to suppress or bury his sexual urges toward children. Now, the problem with this suppression approach is that it leads to being a complete. It leads to a, a complete across the board numbing of sexual desires and being sexually dead may limit his risk of sexual future sexual deviance, but it also leaves him unable to have a normal sex life. So he really needs to find a therapist who can help him learn how to regain his sexual urges, including the deviant ones, and then he has to learn to not act inappropriately. My point is most people who aren't completely repressed admit to having sexual urges toward children, family members, members of the same sex, but we don't act on these urges because we humans have to learn to accept our impulses, sexual and aggressive, and control our behavior. And if he does this work, he should be able to feel safe to reclaim his sexuality, and then you just might get lucky. This is a slow process, and you have to be sure that you are really, really going to be willing to wait. And I hope you have a sturdy wrist 
for self-service because you're going to be taking care of yourself for quite a while longer if you decide to stick this out with him. All right. So that's all I have for you today on Ask Dr. Love Radio. It was a very fun show. I enjoyed being with you and hearing from you. And I really look forward to being with you again next next week on Ask Dr. Love Radio. Take care for now. <laughs> 